Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending December 4th, 2020. I'm your host, Laura Bardwick, and I'm joined today by senior investment strategist, Paul Eidelman. Good morning, Paul. How's it going so far today? Yeah, very good. How are you, Laura? Very good. Thanks for asking. So, Paul, the three stories that I would like to touch on this week are relevant global economic data releases, and then hopping over to a couple of important geopolitical developments, such as the fiscal stimulus negotiations here and Brexit, and then a few others as well that you see as relevant. And then finally, as we head out of November, maybe we could take a look back at this past month in global financial markets. Does that all sound good to you? Yeah, it sounds great. Perfect. Let's go ahead and start off then with global economic data. What should investors be paying attention to and what's the impact on our outlook? Yeah, I think we got a lot of um, important numbers here for the first signal on the health of the global economy going into November. And I'd say generally speaking, we're seeing some signs of uh, deceleration here. It's still positive growth, but a bit of a slowing uh, as the virus has really taken off in in both the Europe European market and the United States. So uh, this morning in the U.S., we got the non-farm payrolls report. That's normally a really closely watched data point for investors. And the uh, U.S. job growth numbers did come down quite a bit from 610,000 in October to 245,000 in November. So pretty market deceleration, but still uh, positive job growth. And I think what kind of jumped out to me is under the surface of that, the sort of sectors of the labor market that were relatively weak were on the services side, and in particular, the leisure sector, which we know is more sensitive to the coronavirus. So I think some really early evidence that the virus is taking a bit of a toll on the economy. Uh, And and then globally, um, there was some kind of positive and resilient data out of Europe on the retail sales side. but. I was kind of looking pretty closely at the global purchasing manager indices, which uh, are one of the best sort of high frequency reads on uh, the health of global economic activity. Uh, And there, too, we saw a little bit of a sort of plateauing or cresting in global growth where the manufacturing sector held up reasonably well. But the services side of the economy uh, showed some evidence of decelerating, particularly uh, in Europe, where the lockdowns were the most significant. So. Again, I think broadly speaking, a little bit of a sign of deceleration um, in the short term from the virus. I think our take is that's not too unexpected. And we're, we've been much more focused on the six to 12 month outlook, which we think is still positive here, given the really favorable vaccine news and what that means for the global economy looking more open and more normal 12 months from now than it does today. So still a healthy uh, medium term outlook, but definitely some challenges in the short term. Yeah, really looking forward to that great news about, uh, you know, the upcoming vaccine for everyone. So, you know, just besides COVID, um, you know, there's been a lot of developments on the geopolitical front. And I was hoping you could highlight some relevant happenings with a focus on the U.S. fiscal stimulus negotiations, Brexit, maybe touch on the trade war and anything else that you think is important to highlight. Yeah, I guess if we start with the U.S. stimulus negotiations, this has been something we've been looking for for several months, kind of expecting and hoping for a big stimulus package. And this was probably one of the more encouraging weeks in in quite some time in that uh, sort of bipartisan group of senators came together and unveiled a $908 billion stimulus package. Uh, And um, so that's good just in, in terms of having support from both parties. 
Uh, and then very quickly after that, the Democrat leadership, both uh, Pelosi from the House and Schumer from the Senate, kind of supported that bipartisan package as a, a starting point for uh, kicking off negotiations again. Um, you know, it's not a slam dunk at this point, but I think really the key here is that the, the odds or the probabilities of a stimulus deal getting done potentially as early as this year have definitely um, kind of moved up. And if anything, the, the weaker jobs report that we talked about a moment ago probably puts a little bit more urgency uh, and tailwind behind those negotiations. So that that's certainly been a positive for markets. On the flip side, when we kind of turn outside of the U.S., uh, Brexit continues to bubble away uh, in, in the background. They're getting pretty close to crunch time now with uh, the U.K. European transition period uh, ending on December 31st. And there still seems to be some uh, quite bizarre uh, issues, frankly, thorny issues around uh, fishing rights and a few other things that are making uh, sort of an agreement and a compromise uh, hard to find. Um, so I think that's going to be uh, a really important watch point here for European investors going into the end of the year. Uh, it's probably consequential for particularly currency markets like the British pound. Uh, and given the sensitivity of large cap United Kingdom equities to the pound, uh, some risk factors to keep an eye on there as well. Uh, but as we kind of step away from the United Kingdom, uh, a lesser impact on continental Europe and probably not that meaningful for uh, global financial markets, given the UK only represents about uh, 2% of, of global GDP. Um, and then the final one is uh, maybe a, a bit of a surprise for our US colleagues, but there's been a little bit of a, a trade war, a trade spat breaking out between Australia and China now. We, we talk so much about the U.S.-China trade war over the last year or so, but uh, China imposed uh, tariffs on Australian wine in excess of 200% over last weekend. And I was kind of speaking with my colleague, Alex Kuzli, on this issue quite a bit this week. I think his sense is it's not a, a major issue at this time because those tensions had been there uh, persistently for, for several months now. Uh, but we do have to keep an eye on whether or not uh, these tariffs kind of escalate and we have sort of waves of retaliation. So again, just another sort of geopolitical risk factor to keep an eye on going into year end. It's not really impacting our macro outlook at this point, which is a positive one, uh, but geopolitics are sort of close to the top of the list in terms of things we're watching. Definitely lots going on right now. And, you know, November was a historic month in terms of global financial markets. And now that we're in December, we have the opportunity to do a little look back. And I was wondering if you could maybe summarize for us what we saw over the month and then any observations you'd like to leave investors with. Yeah, I think uh, November was a, a month to remember in a good way for a change uh, for investors. Global equities were up almost 12%, which I think is one of the strongest months ever for global stocks. Typically, you'd be happy getting a result like that in an entire year and having such strong performance in just one uh, calendar month is, is really outstanding. Uh, and, and then under the surface of that, really, the areas that were the strongest tended to be those that were the most cyclical. So uh, regionally, the best performance came out of um, Europe and the United Kingdom, actually, despite some of the geopolitical issues that we just talked about. 
Uh, European markets tend to be more cyclically geared. They have more exposure to financials, uh, industrials, materials, uh, et cetera. And so as sort of risk sentiment improved in the market, uh, non-US developed equities outperformed. So that was, I think, really nice to see given that's an area that we've uh, been looking for for opportunities in the past. Uh, and then sort of within each individual regional equity market, the areas that were the strongest tended to be smaller cap stocks and more uh, cheaper or, or the value style of stocks. And to just put a data point on that, the Russell 2000 value index outperformed the Russell 1000 growth index by 9.1% in November, which is a huge uh, spread. And again, just given we've been talking for a long time about how extreme the relative valuation opportunities were in favor of value securities. It's nice to see this kind of bounce back on the, the favorable vaccine news as investors kind of transition uh, their narrative from uh, the stay at home trade to what we're seeing now is a, a little bit more confidence around uh, a reopening trade. So definitely a really strong month uh, with some important leadership rotations under the surface of it. Well, that is a great note to end on. Paul, thank you for joining us and thank you all for joining us as well. We hope to see you next time and hope you have a great week in the meantime.